and welcome to the Mare and Lerm Show. He's Liam Warden. And she's Emily Milne. Welcome back. And today we're actually talking about an exciting, well, exciting and scary mm. topic. Uh, it's all about David Attenborough's A Life on Our Planet. So if you haven't watched the documentary, I'll say go and watch it now and then come back and listen to our podcast as everything we talk about will be what has happened in that documentary and what it covers. Yeah, we're just kind of reiterating the facts, the, the big facts, the really important things and just kind of... How it's changed our perspectives, Absolutely. if it's affected our lives, or anyone that we know mm. has changed their habits or lifestyle yeah. after watching that documentary, as it's um, very eye-opening, but also I found it very inspirational very too. Very inspirational, very emotional, and very inspirational. And you know, it's very hard-hitting stuff, but there are also some really good solutions that we will touch on mm. later on in this episode. So. And it will be nice not to talk about coronavirus for once. Yes, and I'm we'll sure you'll be that. happy not to hear about it because I think by now everyone is sick to death yeah. of that topic. So with this documentary, it starts off in Pripyat, next, next to um, Chernobyl, mm. where David Attenborough basically introduces the viewer and the audience um, to the setting. And mm. the main point there at Chernobyl is that it's probably the biggest human catastrophe or human-caused catastrophe that has happened ever. You know, it was a nuclear explosion that happened in 1986, um, caused, it's a completely uninhabitable for thousands of years now. And if you go there now, which you can visit, mm. believe it or not, Nature's Nature taken has its taken over and it it's has. completely it's the, it's the only place on earth that's I guess been a part of human civilization that is left completely untouched and completely abandoned. Yeah, it was pretty incredible, isn't it? All of the images of, you know, plants overrunning the place and overrunning all the buildings and there being wild animals out there. It was it was pretty incredible. So for something that's a place that's had such a drastic thing happen, it's it's kind of eerily beautiful now. Yeah. And it just it does the metaphor there is that, you know, life the planet will survive without humans yeah it illustrates the point that nature will find a way no matter what if humans are on the ride for it or not absolutely like, and it was a very powerful kind of first statement to make and i, I really wasn't expecting that when, when no. first watching the documentary i didn't expect him to start it at Pripyat no. or even them visit it no to be fair actually i that's a lie i did because the day before um there was the premiere for yeah. the um the documentary and my housemate got to ask David Asper a question over Zoom, which was incredible. What was the question? Um, she asked whether he was optimistic or pessimistic for the future. And he said he was neither an optimist nor a pessimist, but he is more optimistic than he was ten years ago or something like that. It was it was really inspiring actually what he was talking about and it was incredible because it was literally as if David Attenborough was in my living room. Yeah. Shout out to Anessi. Shout out to Anessi, you absolute legend. She works for WWF. That's as insane. A, That's so as cool. a policy um something officer. something. Um <laughs> and yeah, she's incredible. Um but that was really cool and they did talk about um the fact that it was opened in Chernobyl and how kind of moving it was and just yeah, it kind of just Makes it all the more emotional, doesn't it? Yeah. That yeah. whole sentiment. I mean, I, th I think it's it's easy to visualise something which is presented in front of you, like Chernobyl. Chernobyl is literally a ghost town. Yeah. No one can live there. Yeah. And that very much could be several parts of the planet if mm. this uh, issue continues without any action. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite, um, quite apocalyptic, isn't it? It's yeah. scary. But that's why we need to work on changing. Um 
and why we will give some solutions that we ourselves have been taking on recently. So whilst it will be depressing, we hope <laughs> that you will find inspiration. Yeah. Because whilst David Attenborough says himself, you know, the future is bleak, mm. but that's without any action. Yeah. Like there will be action. And the only people who can determine that is yeah. you or I, anyone. We anyone have the capability it. to do it. It's whether people actually just do it you know and change their daily routines it's so hard to make change change is uncomfortable but it's necessary yeah and there's a lot of factors which can affect that change for example you know it could be your lifestyle it could be the way that you vote it could mm. be what you campaign for it could be school strikes you can do anything mm. you know wake up mm. lobby wake up the politicians <laughs> lobby the people you know and not just the politicians energize everyone yeah it's the big companies isn't it that well yeah investing and just everyone, oil companies, just there are so many factors and so many people that we need to get on board with this. And it, it's hard not to get down about it because you can feel so helpless being just one individual. But there are changes that we can make in our day to day life that, yeah, to help. This Such cause. as moving to a more plant based diet. Yeah. As um, the agricultural industry is having a huge impact on global carbon Absolutely. emissions, in particular, red meat. Mm. 60% of the world's biomass is taken up by cattle and if you just think about that for a second like 60 percent of the world's biomass that's that's crazy and think about how much food it takes to feed all of that cattle so that's the, that is why deforestation happens the amount of rainforest that's being cut down every day to produce soy fields to keep that those cattle alive so if the amount of meat that you're consuming red meat that is indirectly causing the rainforest to be chopped down and we need to put a stop but there's to that. also contributors to that as well such as palm oil soy mm. all these all these things we really take for granted but are used in a lot awful lot of food palm oil and soy are used in so many different foods that you wouldn't even think of yeah absolutely and and that's what what are the key drivers yeah to deforestation but also um i can't remember what the word is now it's making the soil not I can't remember what it's well, called. Well, like fertile. Yeah, like fertilized. You know, you know when you overuse the soil, yeah. and it doesn't work. I can't. Yeah, yeah. You just so, can't produce any. Yeah, and that's that's happening as well. And yeah. that's happening as well. Um, my, um, my my housemate sent me um, an art, an article thing from one of her lectures because she does zoology, and it was about greenhouse gas emissions across the supply chain, um, and beef was at the very top, like very very high amount of greenhouse gas emissions um per kilogram of food product um and second was lamb and mutton mm -hmm. third was cheese which is <laughs> really sad because i love cheese so much but i am slowly but surely trying to cut it out it's hard really yeah um i think it's necessary like um and then chocolates yeah coffee prawns prawns are also really bad because the way that they um fish them fish them they destroy habitats and destroy the um the seabed yeah. to extract them uh which is sad because <laughs> prawns are delicious prawns are one of my favorite <laughs> foods and i'm sure a favorite of many <laughs> yeah and then you just keep going down the list and it's palm oil pig meat so bacon pork etc then poultry and it just keeps going yeah but let's just let's just talk about beef and lamb because mm. beef and lamb is covers over well 50 percent of all animal emissions that is an enormous mm -hmm. amount and i know for a fact 
every single person can live without eating beef yeah. and lamb. Yeah. There is more than enough alternatives. Absolutely. And that cuts already half of the global emissions caused by farmed animals. Mm. That is a massive, it's massive It's crazy, difference. isn't it? When you put it out like that so plainly, yeah. it just doesn't seem hard. And after cutting out red meat myself, and as you are, uh, you have too, yeah. it just doesn't seem hard anymore at all. Like, I just can't see myself ever going back to that lifestyle. Yeah. I just don't need it. I, it's not necessary at all. No, I, I've at the minute, I've completely cut out um, meat from my diet. I am still eating fish mm. um but it's about reducing that meat consumption not completely stopping it yeah. but transition to a more plant-based diet yeah you know it's not it's not a question of whether or not you're a vegan or a vegetarian it's not a lifestyle choice mm. it's a choice to be considerate towards the planet it's not a moral issue it's more you know you've got to take responsibility for your own actions yeah. and take action this is a way that you can really yeah, help it's time to step up yeah that really is and I know so many people who've watched this documentary who were probably quite big meat eaters before and have completely changed because of mm. this. Like my, my own family, for one, have watched this and, and acknowledged that they really do need to cut down their meat intake. And they are, which is really cool. Oh, I'm gu- I've been guilty in the past of taking the mick yeah. out of people who are too, vegetarians too, yeah. or vegans. I go, I'll never give up meat. What do you yeah. mean? I'm, I'm obviously going to eat chicken and burgers. Yeah to the, like the end of time but when you watch this documentary yeah. and you see the effects it's going to have on our planet yeah i could give up for that yeah <laughs> like, it's not that important but i think that the stuff you're saying before it's, it's kind of like an immaturity thing and like also kind of a blissful ignorance that you don't want to admit that what you've been eating and consuming all your life has actually been kind of indirectly um going against the environment well no one wants to be responsible no, for the no end of the world <laughs> but we can be responsible for changing that and for for making change and for you know, helping the environment. So I'd much rather be on that side of the argument than live in kind of blissful ignorance and yeah. pretend as if I'm not, I'm blinded to all of the signs that are here and the facts that are telling us how bad meat consumption is. And, it, and, and it's not an answer to go, oh, well, you know, th- my little change is not going to affect the grand- anything in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Well, you see, if everyone has that opinion, then nothing will change. Exactly. But if everyone has the opinion of, right, okay, we'll cut down on red meat, cut, mm. uh, affect the things that you can change yeah like change the things that you can physically change also just think about even just i was thinking the other day about like three four years ago how little vegetarian vegan awareness there was like when i was at school not many people were vegetarian or vegan yeah there are so many options now so many cafes specifically for vegan and the greg's vegan sausage exactly like there are so many options and freezers and supermarkets full of corn and linda mccartney and meat alternatives and dairy dairy alternatives it's massive now and that just shows that there are more and more people who are becoming vegetarian and vegan yeah so we can do it (laughs) and i've been i've been going down that journey myself because i've been i mean i'd never had linda mccartney veggie sausages for example um doesn't taste the same as sausages but it's good enough it's good enough there's not it's not a point is it's not supposed to replicate a sausage completely it is a bit different I think they're delicious. I, don't get me wrong, they're delicious. Mm. And, you know, it's all about embracing them and getting on with it. Like, yeah. we haven't, we can't have this entitlement no. about certain foods, especially no. when it's killing everything else. Yeah. I think there's this kind of whole showy-offy thing and that kind of class thing where people are like, oh, I, I like to eat steak and because it's like <laughs> enough, I can afford to eat steak and steak and red wine. <laughs> I just don't see that as a 
as a turn on anymore. <laughs> I, I think it's way more attractive now if someone says that they're vegetarian because I'm like, well, yeah, that's cool. That's someone who actually cares about the environment and wants to make change happen. So if someone takes you out for a meal, you want a vegetarian meal, not to be wined and dined with a steak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much. Oh, That's essentially what you're saying. Yeah. But one of the quotes for, that David Attenborough does say that sticks in my mind is that we're replacing the wild with the tame. And that's quite like... It's quite a powerful statement because it that's essentially what we are. For example, do you ever remember like when you were at a younger age and you would question, oh, why aren't there like cities in like the desert? Mm. As, for example, humans were very like self-indulgent. Yeah. We, we want to explore every single corner. You know, we want to live on Mars. We want to live on the moon. Yeah. We want to, you know, live everywhere. But there's a huge problem with that because what are we replacing huge ecosystems that we actually really rely on mm. and there's not enough education about how important ecosystems are and yeah. biodiversity and what you do see in the documentary and it does keep coming up with is a the global population from 1933 to the present day yeah which B, is in, it is insane isn't it yeah. each time like in the documentary if you've seen it or if you haven't seen it each kind of section they mm. stop and, and the screen goes up and then it shows how many years has gone by and how much the population has increased and it is just astounding how much the population has increased how much the carbon emissions or carbon particulates are in the atmosphere has increased mm. and also the remaining wilderness yeah the extinction factors oh goodness it's it's pretty hard-hitting stuff isn't it each yes. time that came on i kind of felt this like feeling of dread where my heart kind of dropped as the population goes up of humans and then the wilderness just goes down oh it's and it's, horrible. it's it's at a critical state it i think it got as low as 30 percent as it got to 2020 of the remaining wilderness left 30 mm. percent of the whole world went from 66 percent in 1930 mm. that is dramatic it's so dramatic and you, everyone should be very alarmed about that yeah i don't know how you could not be yeah and one of the things that it does tackle or does address is uh, deforestation being a big factor. We have enough land currently, you know, cut down to feed the whole world. Mm. One of the big factors of food consumption and one of the big, like, I guess, car like carbon contributors is waste. We waste 40% of mm. all food. Yeah. 40% is massive number. It is. And that's just down to greed, isn't it? And well, it is, we are gluttons yeah, in the Western world. Yeah, completely and utterly. Yeah. It is just greed and, and people not we're not we don't distribute our wealth enough. Like I mean I don't, don't know how many times you can say it, but wealth is not distributed fairly across the world. Certainly not. At all. And if it was, we have the resources for everyone to be fed and be happy. But, is but there we a, don't Is there a feasible greedy. solution to redistribute wealth? I mean <laughs> It's a it's a very difficult issue to tackle, yeah, isn't it? It is a difficult yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. And the unfortunate thing is that those people with that amount of money are people who have a lot of power in this an world. An awful lot of power and influence. And would they want to give up that no. power and influence? And you'd, you'd, you'd hope that those people would use such privilege and power to do better and to make change and to help the environment. But I'd, it's, it's not happening, is it? I think that we will see a turning point mm. perhaps next week with the uh, US, US election. election. We have someone who is in charge of the free world who denies <laughs> freedom. <that> climate change. <laughs> well, I guess that's your opinion, but who denies that climate change is in exist is in existence, and that's mm -hmm. not that's not up to debate. That is his his yeah. view. Yeah, it is, and that is an extremely dangerous view to have. Very dangerous because 
Especially when all of the facts are right there in front yeah, of you. There's no doubt about it. No. And unfortunately, we are sleepwalking into this crisis. Yeah. You know, if you thought coronavirus is bad, mm. this is this is a little taster. It really is. So it will be very interesting what happens next week. It will either be um, an, an optimistic future or a very, <laughs> very scary future yeah and back to de- deforestation so humans cut down up to 15 billion trees per year and this is one of the main contributors as to why mm. carbon is steadily increasing because yeah. trees are the most nat in the most naturalist form a carbon capture mechanism yeah. it will take the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere so the more trees you cut down the more carbon that's allowed into the atmosphere without getting trapped in these trees and then as you chop down those trees i imagine they get burned or something like yeah releasing even more carbon into the atmosphere and it becomes a vicious cycle and a lot of these things to the greenhouse effect are vicious cycles for example with the ice caps melting with less ice caps to reflect the sun Mm. you know white reflects the sun Mm. dark traps in heat so the dark seas will suck in more heat therefore making the earth hotter and Mm making it a lot more rapid of a change. And there are these things called tipping points. So, Mm. for example, in Siberia, there is loads of permafrost. And if that melts, that will release a gas called methane into Mm. the atmosphere, which is a much more potent um, gas than carbon dioxide and will rapidly increase the greenhouse effect. Mm. You know, scientists are talking not about a one degree or a two degree change in... um, celsius like degrees they're talking about three to between three and six by the end of this this um this century crazy increase isn't it from where we were 60 years ago and i think david attenborough was saying that i don't think there's been a increase of even one degree celsius in the last like ten thousand years or something like that this is this is really just the last 60 years where technology has has advanced so rapidly yeah and this is where we're at and also with um ice caps melting you were saying obviously leads to rising sea levels habitats are being destroyed and leading to animal extinctions you know polar bears are on the brink of extinction mm-hmm. just, yeah. <laughs> it's just bad there's, yeah. there's no good news and then the oceans become warmer mm. therefore the habitats that are within the oceans for example there's certain ecosystems that need a certain temperature yeah. to exist they will start to collapse like the bleaching of coral reefs yeah. because the oceans becoming more acidic there are hardly well. any proper like coral reefs left now in the world like, yeah. the great barrier reef in australia is almost completely and utterly destroyed and and why why would as humans do we feel comfortable just ripping apart these ecosystems that we actually these are our support systems mm. the, the nature's there to support yeah. humanity that's not a hippie thing to say <laughs> that is a fact <laughs> it's these are facts yeah. these aren't opinion yeah I, i'm so sick of it being deemed as a a hippie thing or a you know a, a left wing thing problem. it's not a left wing problem it's a human problem <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous and there is a, a number of horrifying mm. predictions i think it is i think that is changing though i've seen so many more people posting about like since this documentary i've seen so many more people posting about environmental things mm. and and lifestyle changes like people who wouldn't necessarily have posted that kind of thing before or really engaged in environmental issues at all i am seeing changes which is really nice to see my 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 
concern with that is social media is very much an echo chamber. You are only mm. going to follow who you're interested in, mm. or i.e. friends will follow yeah. who, what they're interested in. So you're only seeing what you believe not in. Nece- back not to necessarily, you. though. This is from people like maybe kind of further out, family mm. members who, and family friends, older people who I don't necessarily share the same political preferences with who are now sharing environmental things, who never shared mm. that kind of thing before, is who I'm talking about. There's, there's no there's no avoiding it, though. This mm. has to be, this has to change through politics. Yeah. There's only so much that we as a general population can do yeah. without people who control the money big companies, power. money and power and politics, change policy. Mm. And that can be influenced by pe- the way that people vote. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. No. But you can lobby a political party to think a certain way. Mm. You can write to your MP about certain issues that you feel strongly about. You can, you can campaign. You can strike you can from protest. school. You can protest. I mean, protesting at the minute is a little bit difficult because mm. of being in a global pandemic. But there was one thing that David Attenborough says. If you are sick to death of this pandemic, if this continues at the rate we're going, mm. this will seem like some a... a an occurrence once every decade yeah once every 10 years we'll have a pandemic pandemic and that that is a frightening thing to occur because very frightening but also really impactful by yeah. saying things like that you can't shade people from the truth that i feel like maybe if maybe years ago they would hold back information such as this but it's so important that people are aware, made aware of this kind of thing mm. and now they've seen you know the the velocity of the the pandemic and how awful it's been and how many people have lost their lives. Now people are starting to take it seriously. So in the documentary, David Attenborough outlines what would happen in the next few decades if we continue down the path that we are going. Um, and it is very, very bleak. And I think that everyone should hear what it has to say. So in 2030s... So in 2030s, um, with continued deforestation of the Amazon rainforests, it will degrade to a point where it can no longer produce enough moisture uh, so transforming into a dry savanna, and not only will this decimate the biodiversity in the rainforest, but will also alter the global water cycle. So basically, the Amazon is at risk of drying out. So you would not have the great vast Amazon rainforest across South America. It would now be yeah, which is absolutely tragic. A wasteland. And additionally, the Arctic will start experiencing ice-free summers. So without the white ice caps, less of the sun's energy will be reflected back into space. So we've kind of touched on that already. Um, and this will accelerate global warming by huge, huge, vast amounts. And this is just by 10 years time. Mm. In 10 years time, imagine the Amazon rainforest is no longer yeah. a rainforest. Yeah. And the Arctic And by going the way we're going, iceless. the amount of meat consumption and the amount of greed and gluttony that goes on in yeah. this world, that, I mean... It is just a harsh reality. It just goes to show this is the decade where we really, really need to take action. And it sucks that people have left it for our generation to have to sort it out and have to make these changes and have to be selfless and think of that environment before ourselves. But it's just it's just a harsh reality and we just have to deal with it and do it. And moving down the timeline that Attenborough predicts uh, by 2040s in the north, the frozen permafrost soils will thaw, releasing methane into the atmosphere which, as I've said previously, is a far more potent gas than carbon dioxide. So this is another factor that will accelerate the change mm. in the climate. And th- this is what's terrifying about it. All these things that we're starting to like open up mm. are essentially going to drive us deeper and deeper into this crisis. So the sooner that we act on it, 
the less reverse it. Yeah, the less expensive it is, and yeah. the less difficult it is to solve. Yeah. Because it, I think he did a doc. Well, he did a documentary last year on mm. the BBC called yeah, Climate Change: The Facts. Yeah. And he said that now I think it was like we we have the resources now to change it. But if, say, we left it, like, until 2050, mm. it would cost four times the global mm. economy. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. We have the ability to do it, we just... So it's not a monetary issue either, because it's actually, no. economically, it's a sensible thing to do. And if we do invest in green energy and green, you know, green initiatives, we'll create so many more jobs. Yeah. And, you know, things happen, like, money will, will come from that. It, yeah. And maybe initially, financially, it'll take a hit. The world will take a hit. The economy might take a bit of a hit. But the but economy's already after, taken a hit. Now. Yeah, exactly. We're in the middle of a recession. Yeah. Like, now is the time to make the change. We yeah. can make the change. We have the facts. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times we're going to reiterate the same thing. Yeah. Um, so by 2050s, as oceans continue to heat and become more acidic, coral reefs around the world will bleach and die. This will cause fish populations to crash which will affect millions of people who rely on the ocean for their livelihoods so fishermen tourism all of those things yeah are just yeah. ruined great great natural wonders of the world like the great barrier reef will be completely i mean it already white. it pretty much already pretty much is. is which is which is tragic but it's horrible to we think need about. to we need to learn to preserve places that are still thriving and ecosystems that are still thriving under the water but people do care about the planet because you know it, there's a reason why david attenborough documentaries like our planet and blue planet and stuff mm. have a, like one of the most watched shows on the bbc mm. people love watching those shows and seeing the diversity that this yeah. world has the world is absolutely incredible but we are like is... a poison to it exactly. sometimes so we can we can watch blue planet too and enjoy it and and thrive off of the you know the kind of energy that it gives us watching like orcas jumping around in the water mm. but if we don't do anything to change then we won't have these kind of programs to look forward to and, and to watch you know yeah it's 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 horrifying to be honest with you and then he goes on to say that by the 2080s global food production will enter into a crisis as soils become exhausted by overuse pollinating insects will disappear and the weather will become much more unpredictable so for example we'll see a lot more extreme heat waves which mm. will, could cause droughts yeah. you could see a lot more extreme hurricanes mm. i mean we are already seeing more extreme weather patterns yeah, across the world you know this stuff is starting to happen now but this will be like completely unpredictable yeah. by 2080 and popular Insect populations has already decreased yeah. so much. Yeah, like, save the bees. Bees, yeah. Huge thing. If if no one's po if these insects aren't pollinating mm. our plants, well, yeah. Who? Firstly, we've got no plants to eat of. Yeah. Neither does all the animals. You know, yeah. it, these are. This is a chain change reaction. Mm. And I also recently learned that um, honey isn't vegan. I didn't realize that honey isn't vegan. Really? Yeah, because um, in beehives they clip the wings of the queen bee to ensure that all of the other bees stay in that one place to create honey and apparently they're not very um ethically kept like all of the bees they just chuck them in the <laughs> oh right yeah it's really bad i didn't realize mm. so yeah that's a little sad fact for everyone <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying your honey right now <laughs> maybe think twice about well that. i do have honey every morning <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so difficult to be an ethical person all the time you can't be 100 percent ethical well no it's not possible it's not possible and but there's you no can make selfless good deed is there but no. 
you can, yeah, small changes. And just even if you're just conscious of things like that, maybe just cut down your consumption a little bit. Yeah. It's just little conscious things like that and acknowledging wrong things. Um, by 2100, the planet will be four degrees Celsius warmer, That which is... Frightening. Frightening. <laughs> um, so rendering large parts of the Earth inhab- inhabitable and leaving millions of people home. Uninhabitable. <laughs> it's not inhabitable. <laughs> <laughs> uninhabitable and leaving millions of people homeless. And scientists predict that the sixth mass extinction will be well underway at this point, causing irreversible damage to the planet, the security and stability of the Holocene era, and our Garden of Eden, as Attenborough calls it, will be lost. Yeah, so what the era that we're living in right now is called the Holocene era. For example, you know, back in dinosaur days, it was called the Jurassic, um, the Jurassic era and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so this has been the most stable era ever mm, in without any history. mass extinction you know it's been a very long time since a mass extinction but event. it's coming and this one isn't caused naturally this one is caused is it's man-made yeah. it's a man-made extinction event we and will cause our own extinction yeah we could cause our own demise if we're not willing to change mm. and i think the sad thing is that a lot of people see this as they'll see the facts and they'll just think well you know i'm gonna we're doomed i'll be dead i'll be dead by <laughs> yeah, that time anyway yeah. so it doesn't matter and they and that's what every generation has thought unfortunately we'll is kick that the can down the we'll road leave, yeah you know it, we're not living we're not living sustainably right now but that's not our problem because in the future they'll just have to deal with it then which just sucks yeah like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're so, oh, why, 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 why? But so that it, was a very depressing yeah. kind of talk. But it's necessary, and we need people to listen to this kind of thing because you need to know all of the facts before we can figure out what the solutions are. You know, mm. there's no watering down this situation. No. This is a grave, yeah. Grave and you need issue. to get people passionate. You need to understand why yeah. you need to work on these solutions. You know, I know for a while I was I stopped eating meat and I couldn't actually give like a real proper valid reason yeah. why because I would just say oh it's it's an environmental thing like I understood that I was doing it for the environment but I didn't know all of the facts until you know the facts properly and then you're like oh my god this is so important and it gets you passionate. This isn't about saving the planet. This is about saving ourselves. <laughs> yeah, like the planet will live beyond yeah. us the, the pl- planet will be fine without us yeah. the planet will be better off yeah. without humans humans are awful we're but terrible no we're also very good <laughs> unfortunately there are certain things that can be detrimental to our own progress mm. you know yeah but so there are solutions <laughs> there are solutions and all hope is not lost absolutely and and david attenborough goes on to outline a lot of things that we need to do such as one of the major things we need to do is slow the rate at which the population, the global population is growing by. Mm. And that needs to be done by 2100 as it's expected to reach 11 billion people. Mad. Bear in mind in 1930s, I think we were roughly around two or three billion. Three billion. Yeah. So over David Attenborough's lifespan, his 60 year career, it went from three billion to nine billion. We're on Wasn't about it? seven or eight billion at the minute, I think global pro- population oh, almost, yeah yeah i think we're seven and a half something like that where was nine billion from oh maybe like a few maybe a decade maybe a, away a decade i think away. i think by 2030 maybe yeah um and he suggests that in order to slow the population growth rate 
We need to raise people out of poverty, mm. improve their access to healthcare globally, and enable children, especially girls, to stay in school for as long as possible. When he said that, it had such a massive effect on me. Um, hearing David Attenborough, you know, literally telling the human race to make healthcare and education more accessible, and by by singling out girls, especially, I think is so powerful because there are still so many underprivileged girls who are not getting who are not being educated purely because of gender inequality and it's crazy and it's it's easy to look past it when you live in a society such as this one where there are a lot of equal opportunities for girls and boys you know we haven't quite reached gender equality I mean that's a problem for another day but it's just another you know horrible trait that humans have taken on but hearing him actually say that it really affected me really deeply I I remember just I don't know, it hit a nerve, like really maybe yeah. quite a lot. Just just thinking about children starving, like we were talking about it earlier, yeah. about children in poverty. There's a huge, there's a huge campaign going on, yeah. spearheaded by Marcus Rashford. And what's highlighted, we are one of the richest countries in the world mm. and we have a huge child poverty issue it's here. It's crazy. And I can't believe that children's livelihoods are being up, put up for debate. Honestly. Uh, on whether it's or not disgusting. they can have access to three meals a day. It's absolutely disgusting. Three meals who a day. The hell, who the hell has the privilege to stand and vote against giving child, underprivileged children food? It is a disgrace. It is an yeah. absolute disgrace why should you punish where someone is born mm. no one has the control of for example what their parents do yeah. or how they are raised or just where they're born this it's is just, completely it's circumstantial the it's the entitlement yeah. of people i can't take no. just because they've been it's... born somewhere they think that it's this, their god-given right to to have all of this privilege mm. and be privileged over other people and, and trust tell people me what we, to do. we will do an episode on no, that, we will, that we're campaign both getting so yeah we, we, we will definitely but it be is doing just ridiculous an and one. i don't know anybody who who would endorse this kind of thing like oh my god it's amazing it's amazing how many restaurants councils yeah. have come out and said yeah. we're offering free school vouchers yeah um over half term to children who need it yeah. and families that need it it's ridiculous when i see comments on social media that say oh it means that their parents are in turn going to buy more alcohol and cigarettes mm. no this you can't punish you can't punish a child purely because of their parents actions that is heartless mm. that is absolutely heartless you, where is the compassion in this situation yeah. from some people? It's ridiculous. It is mad. I, it's absolutely disgusting. It's such a disgrace. And I feel so ashamed to be part of this country Everyone right now. needs to go and watch um, a documentary that Channel 4 Dispatches made about um, child poverty within the UK. It is eye-opening, emotional, and, you know... Mm. Everyone needs to watch it. Yeah. Anyone who has disagreed with the fact that, you know, school, essentially children... But I don't even could, know who can't... Like, how I... can you disagree with the fact that children need to be fed? I, know, I mean, I it's, it's a bit of a bonkers argument, isn't it? I'm just so sick of, of this country disvaluing economic growth over human lives. It's quite disgusting. Child, children's lives. It's quite disgusting when you have a scheme that was... Um, operating a few months ago, subsidising meals at restaurants yeah. by 50% yeah. and not willing to spend £20 million mm. on making sure that the <laughs> children who are in need in our own country yeah. I know. aren't and supported. It, it's also just the argument that, you know, um, not bringing refugees into this, but the argument where the government says, oh, we can't, we can't take in more refugees because we're working on our own people and, like, we, we have to help our own homeless and our own 
like starving children when okay right where's that compassion now <laughs> i'm sorry but we <laughs> we just we can't even bloody help ourselves never no. mind <laughs> and we need to move on because yeah. we will we, we, we'll cover another this day. another day and but it is it is absolutely ludicrous shame on you yes the UK and, and and it is possible to lift people out of poverty and to improve access to healthcare globally and improve the standard of living mm. and this does have an effect on global population absolutely. the example that's given in the documentary is in japan japan have had a rapid increase of the standard of living and in turn that has caused the population to decline mm. because when people are more comfortable they have less children yeah and that is a fact. Yeah, of course. And that is a way around o- uh, um, overpopulation. Mm. Raise people's standard of living. Yeah. You don't because have to do any the of these wacky ju- stuff. Yeah, it's exactly. just raise the standard of living. It's yeah. more than ethical. You yeah. know, it shows that equality works. Yeah, absolutely. And the more children you have, the more expensive it is. So obviously people want to live more comfortably, don't they? Like yeah. it's, it's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> So just wake up, people. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. One of the other points that he, uh, and most obvious points that he makes, is that we need to shift to renewable energy sources. Mm, Absolutely. This has obviously been happening already. Whether or not you agree that it's been a rapid enough change, that's up for debate. Um, Well, yeah, because he was talking about Morocco. Yeah. And how, um, like, eco-friendly they've become in the past 10 years. So, um what was it like four when was it um so it says oh in the last decade sorry in the last century in the last century morocco relied on imported oils and gases for almost all of their energy yeah and today they generate 40 percent of its um needs at home by renewable sources yeah by the the world's largest solar farm we need to invest in solar energy yeah there's an easy argument that could be made here how can we make the uh, renewable energy shift if countries such as China aren't making that shift too? Well, actually, one thing we, one solution that we actually haven't offered countries, uh, offered to countries like China, is a renewable option. Mm. All of our industrial revolutions caused a massive effect in global carbon carbon emissions. Mm. How on earth can we have the audacity to turn to China and say, wait? What? You mean you're having an industrial revolution as well? (laughs) That's not allowed. I mean, we're still living off, you know, I think the vast majority of energy that's used in the UK is from gas. Yeah, the hypocrisy is is pretty unreal. And it's it's such a, it's an argument that is used all the time. I'm so sick of hearing it. In climate change. But what about China? What about China? It's it's always trying to shift that blame. Yeah, we we, we can't do that. We literally just have to accept accountability and make change. It's so much easier. It's so much easier living in a world where you accept that you might have done something wrong in the past and try to move past it. Acknowledge what you've done and, and take do responsibility. better. Take responsibility. Yeah. It's such an easier life than having to lie all the time and try and shift blame. I'm sick of blame. Mm. Th- th- this country, in the world, literally, during the pandemic, all we ever do is shift blame. But one it's of China's the... fault. It's America. It's this country. It's this country. It's yeah. the students. I'm so sick of it. Like, we just need to take accountability and work together. And one of the fine examples of us all working together, going back to Chernobyl. Mm. Now, the reactor core could have been exposed to the atmosphere, which has been a, a huge catastrophe in itself. Mm. And there was a containment structure that was built at the time to contain the reactor core but this would only last 40 years as they had to make it quite quickly because of how high the radiation was there Mm. Um, and an eu initiative and this is several countries around the world working together 
um, invested, I think, around 3 billion euros into making a safe containment structure over the reactor four at Chernobyl. Mm. Um, and this was completed in 2017. It's the biggest movable structure that's ever been made. Wow. And it's the set to last there for 100 years. And it's to stop all of the nasty radiation particles going up into the atmosphere and destroying our environment. And that mm. is a fine example yeah, of incredible. countries working together, investing money to prevent mm. a catastrophe from yeah. happening. Was that the EU, sorry? That was the, an EU initiative. <laughs> we're, we're leaving that, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, that's a debate for another day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, great. (laughs) So I think we should kind of just recap um, some of the main... um, Solutions. Solutions, yeah. yeah. And and finish on a nice note. Yeah. Because this has been a lot of information, very intense. Yeah. And there there are a few other solutions that he suggests. You know, we've got to restore and rewild the world and the biodiversity of the planet. Mm. So because when ecosystems are more diverse they are better able to perform essential ecosystem services um and you know there's a huge example of this in the oceans as well um you know he talks about introducing no fishing zones Mm. to allow fishing populations to recover and the main argument about moving to a plant-based diet is he gives an example of like predators in the wild there aren't many predators Mm. in the wild world i I loved this i thought it was so interesting the what the comparison between like meat eaters in the wild and then meat eaters uh, human meat eaters yeah yeah because if too many of the population of a certain population for example if it was an animal population Mm. if there's too many predators then the livestock are all eaten and therefore they'll they'll die off yeah um so that there has to be and yeah, it's natural. Proof. It's natural selection, isn't yeah. it? It's just you know the world works in a certain way, and obviously you know there's a there's a there's chain. got to be a balance. There's a food chain. There has there's to be a, a yeah, balance. Yeah, there has to be a balance. But yeah. the way I see it is that there are so many people who are so blinded to the issues at hand that if if someone such as myself or you has to cut out meat to maybe cancel out a it's few not other people, kill you. maybe cancel out a few other people who are completely ignorant to it all, then yeah, I'm yeah. I'm happy to take that yeah. that hit for the environment because it's so important and it's it's frustrating that there are people out there who don't care but sometimes we just have to to do stuff for other people because (laughs) some people are just annoying and stupid and (laughs) don't listen (laughs) yeah and and one of the things that we do need to do as well is reduce the space we use for farmland and Mm. instead make it a space for returning wilderness Mm. um and the easiest way to do that is as we say change our diets Mm. um And if we all had a largely plant-based diet, then David Attenborough goes on to say that we would only need to use half of the land that we currently use. So we don't need to keep chopping down trees. The the main points that keep coming up as well as to why we do these things is because it's cheaper. Yeah. And, you know, more cost effective. Yeah, but it's it's not. In the long run, it definitely is not. You're not going to have the money to make the world go round no. in a hundred years' time if, if there's no li- society there. Yeah, it's completely unsustainable. Yeah. So yeah, it might be okay for now, but we can't just keep burying our heads in the sand and pretending like it's not going to come to an end at some point. I kind of think of it as if it's like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's going to be like a lot more creative ways, you know, to make food and yeah. farm. And you know, we are humans. You know, we are more than capable mm. of solving this issue. You yeah, know, I we think so. we have to help 
nature otherwise nature will move on yeah nature will move nature on without us nature is a lot us. bigger than us and <laughs> unless we <laughs> want to destroy ourselves <laughs> yeah literally i was talking to um my my father the other day yeah because um we were just talking about like the pandemic and how it's changed things and how obviously a lot of people are working from home yeah and there are just these massive offices that just aren't going to be used anymore people mm. like people are just thinking are talking about working from home forever now and not going on these massive business trips all the time like air travel is not nearly so kind of prevalent as it was in the past mm -hmm. and how there are now opportunities for these spaces with massive office blocks to become green spaces yeah. or places where we can have solar panels and solar farms yeah. and, and wind um wind turbines and things like that yeah like i feel like there's a, a good chance here like we have this pandemic really has opened our eyes to what is going on. I honestly feel like it's nature's way of just being like, wake up. Yeah. Just this is. I, I feel like that we are at a turning point and, you know, I am optimistic mm. about, you know, where we could be heading. This is a prime opportunity to start investing in greener alternatives, greener mm. renewable energies, investing in, you know, more um eco-friendly transport mm. modes of transport you know it's going to take years to develop a plane that's friendly to the environment but by doing other things mm. such as changing our diets and changing the way that we use energy yeah. it will save us time and buy us time yeah. to change other things that are a little bit more complicated even yeah. just holidaying like we don't need to go on yeah, but you could think of you could think of the nice inventive ways to go on holiday yeah you can interrailing is a lot more economically friendly yeah, uh, not economic, economically environmentally friendly, environmentally friendly. friendly yeah absolutely but even just this year like the amount of um um the environmental impact that we've had as a country is yeah. far less than it was last year because everyone's having staycations and you know air travel and air pollution it, it's not so bad because but these habits have to stick though because yeah. obviously there's going to be a lot of pent-up mm. demand yeah like it yeah. will return i really hope i sincerely hope that if we do get a vaccine and we do kind of re return to what we see as normality i don't want us to return to normality no. because normality is completely unsustainable yeah and people need to realize that i think that yeah, this is absolutely this needs to be changed for the better and it, it's an issue that we will continue to talk about mm. it's not something we aren't gonna stop talking about because no. it affects our generation yeah massively yeah. it will affect our children and their children yeah and it's it's, it's time we, we time take we responsibility stand up. and do something yeah. about it because the people before us haven't and now it's our turn. Yeah. Isn't it mad to think about? We did a climate change podcast, one of our first podcasts. Our second podcast. Year. Was it our second yeah. podcast? Think of how much has happened since then. Yeah. How much more understanding we are of this topic. And I mean, those, these facts were probably there this time last year. We just weren't oh, yeah. quite in tune to them. Yeah. I feel like so much has changed in the past year. How like people are so much more enlightened in this topic now. What's, what's So it seems anyway. What, what is brilliant is that David Attenborough at 94 years old or 93 is using his power mm. to, you it's know, really cool. he, he could just go and retire yeah. and sit, yeah. I don't know, in a beach somewhere in the Maldives, yeah. you know. He's using his influence and power to wake us all up yeah. to this his, huge his issue. His witness statement. He's really leaving behind a, a true legacy. Yeah. And, and he I, said I that really hope for his sake. Honestly, for him, I just hope that we actually do follow yeah. through with what we want to do. Because he won't be there to see it. No. 
But he said that he was born at the perfect time. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, people back then didn't know no. what was going on. No. Um, and he does give a lot of examples of uh, challenges that humans have faced in the past, such as uh, a gorilla population in Africa, I can't remember whereabouts in Africa, um, was a close to extinction mm. and we made a sanctuary there or the local people did yeah um and then it regenerated there was an example i think in costa rica where over half of the rainforest there was destroyed and now i think over well since then it's regenerated to about three quarters because of what the government's imposed mm. so it is a, a lot of it is political yeah and a lot of it is you know yeah. your own personal responsibility and i hope that you do find the documentary if you do watch it, and I really, really would recommend yeah, you watching absolutely. it. Not just rec- not recommend. You must watch it. Yeah, it's it's necessary. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not up for debate. No, it's not up for debate. Just do it. <laughs> just watch it right now. <laughs> um, but we hope this hasn't been too much of a downer. But um, also hope that you've been enlightened and energized. <laughs> Yeah. we've definitely ranted and got a lot yeah. of pent-up aggression out which is but hopefully nice. we had a, quite a good structure of yeah. talking it through and and yeah i can't recommend the documentary enough and yeah. i'm sure there's things that we haven't covered because it's such a vast oh yeah topic I mean, yeah. yeah we're not we're not scientists we're not experts, <laughs> oh, experts. <laughs> we're just reading off of documents here but <laughs> <laughs> we just did a bit of research but it's all facts yeah um and not really much opinion anyway have a do good, join have a good us. week everyone yeah but do join us next week Do join us next week because it's US election time. It's the US election on November 3rd and the Marilyn Lamb show comes out on November 2nd. Yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a great preview. (laughs) Who's going to win? Donald Trump or or Joe Joe Biden? Biden. Or the fly. Or Mike Pence's fly. I'm voting for the fly. (laughs) Anyway, see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.